Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Rock Squad podcast, the latest in everything rock music news, reviews, and discussion. I'm one of your hosts, Nick Chino, joined by my good friend and bandmate, Mr. Dave Marini. What's going on, Dave? Uh, hi. How's it going, buddy? It's going all right. You know, living the dream. It's Monday night, recording a Rock, School, uh, rock Squad podcast. So, yeah, it's all good. Can't wait. I can't wait to dig deep into all, all these hot topics. <laughs> Where can the folks find us on the internet? Uh, right now, you can go to uh, Rock Squad on, on Instagram or Rock Squad on Twitter. Uh, connect with us, talk to us, tag us, whatever you want to do. Uh, also, remember to subscribe to our channel and to click the like button and to write reviews. Um, we had last week. We had lots of uh, lots of good traction. Yeah, we, we got a little. We got a little bit of heat from some Greta Van Fleet fans. Yeah. Um, maybe we should maybe we should do some housekeeping before we jump in here. That uh, you know, uh, our, yeah. our views are our views, and we both feel that um, music is art, just like anything else that's art, and it's uh, it's subjective, and people uh, people will like it, and people don't like it. So. If you wanna, if you wanna follow us and listen to our opinion on, on what's happening, we love to hear your opinion. Right. But remember, it's just opinions. We, it, <laughs> it's not, you know, there's no rip. If you want to listen to a band that sounds like a '70s cover band, and that's what gets you hard, <laughs> go a, for it. That's such a backhanded way of saying it. <laughs> it's still like if you want to <laughs> listen to it, but the thing, but the thing is, is also is that I think. When it comes to music, especially, you know, because we're musicians, obviously we're not we're not like on the level of, uh, of a Greta Van Fleet or anything like that. Sure. But I think that for just for, on a bass level with any band, even though we may not like their music, that we definitely can still admire the fact that any musician or artist knows how to play and perform. Sure. And that's, yeah, that's not really in question when we're yeah, you know, saying yeah. that a certain band or artist isn't to our taste. It's no. just us, you know. It just doesn't float our boat, man. It just thing. doesn't float the boat. That, and that's right. all it is. And just like some people like abstract art, some people like impressionism, it changes from time to time. It does. And what, I, what fits into my world of rock may not fit into your world of rock, but it's all one world of rock and it'll keep yeah. us coming together. One love, man. One love. One love. <laughs> One rock. You know, we're all about peace here on the channel. I think, you know, we're just we're just having fun talking about rock topics and we do appreciate uh, the good and the bad of the comments. So, you know, we're uh, we're enjoying all of it. Um, and up on the channel right now as well, we, I did a rock album review for the new album from uh, Evanescence. It's called The Bitter Truth. And uh, people have been digging into that review as well. Have you have you heard any of the new Evanescence, Dave? I, ha I haven't checked out any Evanescence. It's pretty cool. Again, I'm I'm not a huge Evanescence guy. I don't think I really know any of their music since you know they've released you know over the last decade or so. Even before then, the last album I listened to was that that breakthrough record. Um, sure. So I was actually really pleasantly surprised with the new Evanescence album, and uh, I do highly recommend it. And that uh, that review, as well as reviews from uh, for Chevelle, their latest record, Kings of Leon. Are up sure. there as well, and uh, you know it's just a fun way for us to well, talk about all. The I do I do think that. I do think that Amy Lee, as a vocalist, is probably one of the strongest female oh, rock yeah. vocals, yeah. hands down. So this is a perfect example of something that I'm not necessarily into, but I appreciate and respect the musicianship involved yeah. in doing what they do. So that's a perfect, perfect example of what we were just talking yeah on this record the the vocal stuff that she is doing the the notes that she can hit and the things that she can do i don't really i don't think there are many um vocalists in general out there who can who can do what she can do so it's pretty cool i think it comes down we talk about it all the time right like being undeniable and that's the right. reason why that that 
that woman is in that position is because she's undeniably fantastic. So I'm sure I hope the record, I hope the record meets all my requirements. (laughs) I think it will for sure. So check out that, uh, that rock album reviews up on the channel right now. And uh, let's, let's get into the, uh, into the show. It's our second podcast and uh, let's give you a little rundown of how we're going to do things. We're going to do a little, uh, a a new segment, a new feature that we, we kind of just figured out between (laughs) the last show and this show that we're going to talk about, which is the track of the week where we recommend some, some tracks new or old or whatever in between of, uh, of the stuff that we've been listening to. So that's coming up in just a little bit. We're going to get to this week's headliner topic, the big topic of this week's show, which is all about this uh, 5,000 person concert, this experimental concert to kind of test COVID-19 in a concert situation that they held in Spain. Could this be, you know, a good sign for the return of live concerts? Is this going to go towards, you know, eventually getting us back into uh, going to concerts again? We'll be talking about that as well as uh, three opening act topics. These are going to be our, our opening topics that we talk about in the world of rock music news. And the, uh, the first one that I want to get to is about one of our favorite uh, rock bands on the planet, Biffy Clyro, who are incredible. We love, uh, we love Biffy. Mon the Biff. Uh, and they're saying that they're working on a sister record to A Celebration of Endings, which is their most recent album that they put out in, uh, in uh, August of 2020. And uh, I guess they're making the most of their time off the road, just like every other band. They're not, uh, they're not touring, so they're making the most of their time off the road. Um, they're working on their sister record to A Celebration of Endings. And the band tweeted that the record is called RMV. We're not quite sure. Uh, what that stands for. I'm, I'm sure we're going to find out eventually, but uh, it's taking shape and they use the hashtag getting serious, Dave. So that's how we know that they're definitely serious about it. Uh, so they're, you know, they're not really any strangers to making companion records, I think, because uh, Puzzle had missing pieces. Only Revolutions had Lonely Revolutions, which were uh-huh. B-sides from that record. Opposites had similarities, uh, but it's been a couple of years since they released a, a companion record to go along with one of their big, uh, one of their big studio efforts. Um, I, I'm pretty pumped about it. I don't know. I, I'm sure you are as well. Absolutely, man. I think, you know, first off, I'm on the Biff. I'm on the Biff. And uh, um, I, yeah, that's fantastic. I like, I'm, like, I'm a huge Biffy Clyro fan too. Um, I think personally, um, Simon right now is writing better than he's ever written for, for the band. I, the maturity of the writing and the, um, you know, just the experimentation over the last record into this record um, and even the soundtrack thing they released and all that stuff. It's, uh, it's awesome. He's writing, he's writing some of the best songs of his life. And if, if the last record isn't an indication of that, then this next one, uh, I'm expecting great things from because I feel like they wouldn't do this unless they really knew they had something to do. Like that, that's the other thing about this band is just because they have these kind of uh, you know themed record or three themed B side, they always seem to to get what they're doing and it always seems to come together very well. They're they're one of those one of those bands that can really just pull it off no matter what they're doing. Kind of at the level like if you want to compare them to an American band. Um, I would say they, they put things together as well as like a green day put things together where, you know, like where they could legitimately have a Broadway musical based on some of their songs. Just like, not that that's what green day is known for, but like, I could definitely see how the expansion and the, the evolution of their songs could go bigger and better. Like, like how American idiot did for, uh, green day and that kind of thing in America. The problem that, you know, and we talk about this a lot is, um, I don't know. I don't know why the love isn't necessarily there for Biffy in in North America the way that 
they're they're taken in in the UK. Obviously, they're from the UK, but for whatever reason, like we're talking about a band that it in a lot of people's opinion, in a lot of journalists' opinion around the world, they could be the best rock band on the planet right now. It's true. Like hands hands down. And if you haven't been to a Biffy show and you haven't experienced their live show, like um, you know, their live show in Europe is is up there with Muse, is up there with the, the biggest bands in that country, the biggest rock acts of that country. And for whatever reason, and we talk about this a lot, for, <laughs> they just don't get the love and support here. And it's not that they're not doing the things they need to be doing. Like they're touring, like they're always touring with bands that are perfectly fit for them, like the Foo Fighters and bands like that. So they're they're getting the exposure to the audience that they need. And we've watched their shows grow. Like I, I know you you saw them the first time at the Garrison in Toronto, which is a very small club. And, you know, and we've both seen them in much smaller rooms and we've seen them in arenas. And if you go online, you can see them playing to hundreds of thousands of people all over the world. So I'm not really sure what it's going to take for them to break or if even if that's even in their, in their realm right now or they're just going to focus in on the rest of the world because for whatever reason, and I don't know, maybe you have a different take, uh, North America, US and Canada hasn't really embraced them the way that that we hope that they would but they're an amazing band extremely talented and i'm super excited for whatever comes next because i'm never let down by anything they do. yeah for sure me, me neither and i do enjoy how prolific they are and putting out so much of their material and that yeah i i don't know what it is I, you know i think what a celebration of endings is their eighth studio album so I don't know if it's really in the cards for them to blow up in North America like they have uh, in the UK and elsewhere in the world. And they definitely deserve it because their music is incredible. And I think they're one of the bands that uh, I always recommend to people and they say, oh, you know, what's a band that you like? I always go straight to Biffy Clyro because yeah. they're just incredible. And, you know, they started out in early in their career and I didn't get into them until, you know, they started doing more mainstream stuff, but they started out in their earlier in their career doing more of a hardcore uh, emo kind of thing. And then they transitioned into being this big stadium rock band. And, uh, you know, for both of us, their songs have become such a huge part of our lives going to see their concerts, like the, their anthems and their songs are the soundtrack to my life. And I'm like, why aren't they the soundtrack to everybody's life? I know uh, I, because uh, they do it all. I, I like, like you said, when people like ask for recommendations for bands and stuff, hmm. uh, they're my number one when anyone's like rock and roll is dead. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I, I disagree. I heavily disagree oh. because they're putting out some of the best rock, rock songs in the last 15, 20 years, mm-hmm. hands down. Like, and we're not talking like one or two songs a record or like a good single every couple yeah. of years. We're talking front to back, solid music, mm-hmm. solid albums. And I, like, I've never been disappointed live on the recordings. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a huge fan. So I can't wait to see what happens. And we benefit, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, they do come back <laughs> and tour again yeah, uh, in yeah. the near future. But, you know, we benefited as being Canadian fans of a huge UK rock band that when they do come, like when I saw them at the Garrison, that was on the only Revolutions tour, which was, that was a huge record for them. That was one of their breakthroughs. Yeah. And I saw them in the tiniest room. And then we saw them at the Opera House in Toronto, which again, is yeah. not huge compared to what they play elsewhere. Uh, and then we saw them at the Phoenix as well. So as you know, North American fans of this band, it's almost like there are a little secret 
uh, even yeah. though oh, we yeah. want more people to know about them. We all, but we've also seen them at. Uh, we saw them open for the Foo Fighters at uh, Air Canada Center too. Oh right? no, it was Muse. They opened up for Muse. 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 Yeah, yeah, great show there too. Yeah, you know, they can sure. pull it off. They're definitely that kind of band. Yeah. And yeah. very much looking forward to this uh, this new sister record to a celebration of endings, hoping that we don't have to wait too long for it because now I'm just itching for more Biffy stuff, even though they've given us two albums in two years, one in 2019, one in 2020, and they got this new stuff coming uh, coming out. I just, uh, I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's get to uh, the next opening act topic on today's show, which is Weezer, another one of our favorite bands, have announced a special uh, live stream event they're going to be doing in L.A., on April the 16th and 17th, the band's going to be performing with the Walt Disney, uh, no, they're going to be performing at the Walt Disney Concert Hall alongside the Los Angeles Philharmonic Orchestra and the Youth Orchestra uh, Los Angeles. They're going to be playing OK Human, which is their most recent record, and they're going to be doing uh, a bunch of classics. They released a promo video where you could hear a uh, sort of a classical um, version of Buddy Holly, which I thought was pretty cool. And then we got this new record, Van Weezer, coming out in May, which they've delayed a bunch of times um are you gonna be uh forking out the cash for this live stream dave i don't i i would like to i'm not sure if it's gonna work with my schedule i'm sure you can watch it for a few days after it yeah. after it goes but i'm stoked i'm stoked for it i think that weezer is one of those bands that we agree on that you know um i don't think weezer has changed i think their fans have changed personally i think that the their demographic has kind of like you're either with them or against them. It's either you can't get over Pinkerton and the Blue Album, and nothing they do will ever compare. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Or you're you're you love the songwriting and you you feel that they've continued on a path mm-hmm. through through the years. So for them to get together and do something with the Philharmonic in L.A., um, I think it's only the next thing. Like they've done everything else. You know, you, they've done the Muppets. They've done this. They've done they've done everything you can do as a band. So if they want to do something big and loud with a, with a full orchestra, I think it's amazing. And I know I've heard some interviews with Rivers where he's been talking about how this was his pet sound, you know, like this was their, totally. their attempt to like, you know, really like hone in on that vibe and, and that kind of style for writing Weezer songs, which to me, and I'm sure you, was very refreshing because, um, you know, the last five, six Weezer records have had kind of the same kind of formula of writing catchy rock songs. And they've done, I believe, a very good job of uh, really honing in on their craft of songwriting and how they write songs and how they present songs. And I'm a big fan of the last couple records. And I think that doing something like this is something something new, something fresh, maybe make you look at Weezer in a different light. It's been almost 30 years of them being in a band or more. So why not? Why not do that? Give the people what they want. Make it make it like pet sounds on steroids. I'm fully supportive of Weezer playing with the Philharmonic. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. And I, I've seen some criticism of these live stream events. Um, people saying, well, they're not really live and therefore they're not worth paying for, but they're not realizing the production value uh, going into these performances. I, I paid for the um, Jimmy E. World Futures performance that they did back in January, I think, as well as the Biffy one. Uh, Biffy Claro did a, a live stream back when they released their record last year. So I, I did really enjoy those and it didn't bother me that they weren't directly live from the stage to me i appreciated the production value and the effort that went into making them a complete 
you know, more of a concert film than just, uh, you know, a bunch of cameras in front of a stage. So I thought that was really cool. And I, I yeah, I don't really get the criticism of people saying, well, it's got to be live or else I'm not going to pay for it. Or, you know, because it's not an actual live show that maybe it doesn't have the value um, that fans should invest in. But I, I don't really believe that. I think that, you know, we're in a situation right now where people can't go to shows in most of the world and bands still need to be able to uh, make a living and still need to be able to connect with their fans and promote their new records in yeah. a way that is going to, you know, still <laughs> put some food on their table. Uh, not to say that I don't, you know, I don't think Weezer are struggling in any way, um, yeah. but you know, they need to uh, play live and this is a way to do it. And I think, uh, I think it's pretty exciting. The Jimmy world one was good. The Biffy one was good. Uh, and I have high hopes for this one as well. Yeah, I, re- I really hope it. I really hope it does well. I, I too, am not against the pre-recorded uh, release, um, like the concert video kind of thing. I think that um, the situation we're in right now, if if you're putting time and energy, I personally would rather see an artistic expression than a sterile, stale one camera, a couple cameras. Okay, they're playing the song like they're on Jimmy Cat, Jimmy Kimmel, or whatever. That like I would first or a tiny desk concert. If I see another fucking tiny desk concert, I'm gonna like I'm gonna lose my mind. <laughs> Those like, are great. I love tiny desk. What are you talking yeah, about? I'm over it. I'm over it. It's like time to move on. So like yeah, if you wanna oh, yeah. if you wanna if you wanna jump in feet first and 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 work on editing and and theatrics, I'm all mm-hmm. for that. Like I am yeah. all for the the over the top. Let's change how it is. And like you said, Biffy, who we were just talking about, did a great one. And I heard Simon Neal talking about. Uh, how everything went out the window when he realized that the camera didn't have to face it. Mm-hmm. Like it could face anywhere and they could, right. it didn't have to be them on a stage. And the it followed them through the space, right? It didn't and they did an amazing, it's an yeah. amazing, I know we were, yeah. we're really high on Biffy on this episode, but <laughs> of course. They're, they did a fantastic job and they are legit one of the best live bands in the world. So mm-hmm. to see them have time and to make it something unique and to have something, I would prefer that any day over a sterile like band in their rehearsal space like yeah. play, just playing to a camera you know you know and, and with live shows you can watch uh, any number of biffy shows weezer shows whatever shows on youtube um which are basically just filmed concert sets which is nothing wrong with that but that is very different than what these these bands are doing with creating you know we are getting you know the philharmonic orchestra to come in and do something that is you know uh a lot of production value that is giving fans something i think that is going to give them bang for their buck and be worth their money yeah also these things aren't going away like if anything (laughs) has been proven over the last year is that we are going to see way more of this right uh going going into the future you know um the cost of touring alone like are crazy. So if you can if you can present something that's not just a sterile, this is my band playing, and you can edit it and make it make it an experience which everybody wants. I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. And I look forward for seeing my bands do or my favorite bands doing the same thing yeah. or their their vision of the same thing. Yeah, agreed. And we're looking forward yeah. to uh, the the next Weezer album because right. <laughs> the thing is, like back in the day, I remember when. Uh, the 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 dark times in between when Pinkerton came out and the Green album came out. We were in high school, and that felt like uh, forever. That felt like a thousand years. A thousand years, you know, that five or six year period in between when Pinkerton came out and the Green album. And ever since then, they've maintained a rapid pace of releasing albums, kind of like Biffy do, 
which I really enjoy. And uh, Van Weezer is going to bring back the the shreddy guitars and the big uh, the big sound. So looking forward. And to that's that. awesome. Like a lot of people don't know that like when Weezer started, they were all like heavy metal kids, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. like they they like they purposely went out and was like, we're not doing the spandex and the big hair. We're right. going to do something different. And the different was awesome. Like they nailed it for, for that time and being different. And so I think that this album, especially with the passing of Eddie Van Halen, uh, I think that we're going to see some really s- some slick solos and some finger tapping. And once again, another angle, like we're going from the Beach Boys into Led Zeppelin right. or into um, Van Halen, just like that. And I think that that's going to open up a lot of people's minds to, hey, maybe this band isn't the sweater song. Maybe this yeah. band isn't just, um, you know, and we, we've, not, we've known that since the Green Album. Like, we waited right. so long for that Green Album. Like, I'm, not, I'm never not going to be a fan now because I'm yeah. holding on to every little little morsel there is. You well, know? you know, eventually we're going to, we'll, we'll get another, another time we'll get into the story about us going to, you know, sitting outside of the edge in Toronto to get Weezer tickets and then getting the tickets and then going to sure. see my much music and asking them a question on TV. Sure. Uh, and then we went to the Island club and we saw them play. We have many Weezer stories. In it's, our arsenal. it's pretty crazy that your first band interview after, like after having a career on radio <laughs> and being a musician and playing shows all over the world yourself, yeah that your first interview was Rivers and Pat from Weezer. Right. So yeah. it's, you know, but we'll talk about that on another, on yeah, another. I know, but we'll, we'll just wet people's appetites with that, that story, you know, that resulted in us chucking a chair uh, off of a, uh, off of a roof, I think into the water or something. We, we were, were high on drugs, Nick. I don't right. remember a thing. <laughs> Causing a ruckus. All right. So let's get on to the, uh, the final <laughs> opening act of this week's uh, episode, which is that Stone Temple Pilots have announced a 25th anniversary um, deluxe box set of their classic album, Tiny Music, uh, Songs from the Vatican Gift Shop. Uh, it's coming out on July 23rd. It's going to feature a remaster of the original album, a disc of rarities and alternate mixes, another disc of a live show from Panama City Beach, Florida in March 1997. Um, and this album is is classic. I was uh, I was listening to some STP today. And I still go back to this record as being one of my favorite STP records. Obviously, Four sure. and Purple are fantastic. The stuff they released after that um, was good as well. But something about Tiny Music, Big Bang Baby, Lady Picture Show, uh, Tripping on a Hole on a Paper Heart. Um, I just keep going back to that record. Um, I don't know if I'm going to shell out the cash for like a super deluxe edition um, because I like STP, but I'm not a diehard fan by, by any means. Um, but this I think is exciting for STP fans, especially if you're a fan of that record. Uh, yeah, the, obviously it's, you know, STP is one of my favorite bands of all time. I think Scott Weiland was one of the best frontmen rest to ever, ever be rest in peace to ever be in a band. So um, there's a few things about that record though, that, you know, it, that people might not know about that record. Like, uh, Brandon O'Brien is the, the producer of that record. And, uh, you know, it's really this, it's this raw rock band with a great front man playing songs that didn't have any rules. There's no rules on any of those songs. You listen right. to Lady Picture Show and you listen to that after like Big Bang Baby or something. They're totally different songs, but there's this like raw energy that's like that. It really like for for O'Brien in that era, it really set the tone for all the other shit he would end up doing, you know, like 
And like, it, it's, it's, it's weird to think that like he did 10 by Pearl Jam right. and he did, you know, and like, and like get a grip by Aerosmith. And then you have a song like uh, Big Bang Baby. That's like this raunchy, like, like stripper song. Like it's so bizarre <laughs> it that, kind of, yeah. you know, and, and like, and I, I love this record. I think it's great that they're doing more with like what stuff they have. Like I expect that to happen with like Soundgarden too, where over the years there'll be more things released and stuff. It's super exciting. Definitely one of my favorite records of, of that era of rock. One of my favorite singers, the DeLeo brothers, one of my favorite, you know, like they're great. It's a great band. Yeah. I love Stone Temple Pilots. Um, and yeah, it's one of those records. It really set, it set, it's, it's set a precedent. And, you know, the Rage records that were done with Brennan O'Brien afterwards and the, who else, uh, he mixed Super Project. Unknown. Like, yeah. it's it's crazy, the amount that, that came out of that era of him. But I really think for this record, as a producer, he knocked it out of the park. And I think that um, there was a rawness to this record and the rawness to the band being, even though they're a four-piece, like, it is just a guitar, bass, drums, and a singer. There was something about it. There was magic uh magic captured when they did that record and this is coming from me and it's not even my my favorite song of the pilot's record i my favorite song of the pilot's record is number four number four so is like, great too. It's, and, and a lot of people would be like are you crazy but <laughs> for whatever reason i think that like when when number four was released um i think that the anticipation of that record and the way the band was handling themselves at that time was for like you know late 90s i think it came out or whatever it reestablished what a rocket band should be mm-hmm. it was like all of a sudden it was like okay yeah we were mixed up in the grunge and all this and and at the time new metal was really big and they were like no this is what this is what a front man in a band looks like this is when even their like if you look at the the liner notes of number four it really just showcases like like we want to be a cool rock band and they fucking pull it off hands down so that's a great record. Um, I'm also going to say that I like the songs on that record, mm-hmm. front to back, not just the style of the band, because that, <laughs> that might get me in trouble that I'm judging yeah. because they look cooler than that. But mm-hmm. I feel that it was a it was a big, uh, it was a better package. That being said, um, doing this new release with all this stuff and the old video from Florida, mm-hmm. I think it's fantastic. I'm going to love it. I love that record. It's fantastic. All the songs are good on it. Uh, so yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah. Me as, me as well. And I think, yeah, with STP, um, they, they combine that rock and roll kind of, um, yeah, like you're saying, raunchiness with Beatles-esque harmonies. And Scott Weiland yeah. always really had a really keen keen ear for great melodies. And the, yeah, the DeLeo brothers, the interplay between uh, the guitar and the bass on their records and the drums, Eric Kretz's yeah. drums as well. Um, that that three-piece with Scott Weiland's vocals um, has has always been really really special and i was watching um i think it was on howard stern some old youtube clips of of them on the howard stern show they sounded fantastic and uh i was actually thinking about the um the shangri-la da record as well which came out in the early 2000s and the last record that they did with scott wyland in 2010 which was the self-titled album um that was that was another return to form i know we're supposed to be talking about uh tiny music but it just goes to show you how strong you know, they took gaps in their career. They took long stretches off as a band, but whenever they came back together, um, you know, they sounded great and they sound great with their new frontman as well. Um, but you know, there is something special about it in that uh, original lineup. Absolutely. I love it. 
All right. So those are our uh, three opening act topics of this week. Let us know what you uh, thought of the topics this week uh, in the comments. And uh, this is this week's headliner topic. This is the big one. 5,000 people attended a COVID-19 live experiment concert in Spain uh, for a band called Love of Lesbian. Um, everyone in attendance had to be tested for COVID-19 beforehand. Um, they were, I guess, were able to view the results almost instantly um, through an app they were using. Everyone had to wear masks, but uh, from the pictures that I've seen, excuse me, they didn't have to, um, they didn't have to social distance. They were all next to each other wearing masks. Um, and I guess this whole thing was an experiment to gauge how much COVID-19 would spread in a, in a concert environment. Um, yeah. And I'm hoping that it was successful, but either way, do you think this would be a good sign for the return of live concerts in the well, near future? <laughs> I guess it'll depend on how many people die from going to these concerts. Hopefully none. Well, you Hopefully know, if everybody's done. tested beforehand, then sure. uh, ideally you don't have anything to worry about, I, I wouldn't think. Absolutely. Would and a, I, a problem. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, I think we're going to have to start doing these kinds of little tests here and there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I personally, I would have maybe done the 500 person thing and then scaled it up. Yeah. Just to be, just to be safe. But I'm not a. <laughs> got to go big or go home, Dave. Yeah, I think go big or go home. And it's not very rock and roll with me, but, you know, we are living in a pandemic. So I want <laughs> things to stay open if they open. There was a couple things that I was reading that, you know, the organizers, one of the organizers said, uh, our concert will be safer than walking down the streets. <laughs> and I think that I, I'm all for the testing the water, but like you got to be careful. <laughs> but like before like two weeks, three weeks go by before you start like tooting your own horn, like this is an experiment and you're doubling down. I'm like, ah, oh, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. So, you know, I hope everybody's fine. And, I, and it sounds like they're doing all the things that need to be done in this testing um, isn't a new thing for live shows. Um, they've been doing it for con like outdoor comedy shows in the States a lot. Right. Um, I know Dave Chappelle has a bunch of stuff like that. Everybody going to his shows in Texas with mm -hmm. Joe Rogan um, are getting tested beforehand and it seems to be working. Uh, you know, Dave Chappelle still got COVID, but uh, overall the shows themselves, I got here now, uh, yeah. overall the shows themselves um, have been successful and there hasn't been any complaints from the, the people attending those shows. Yeah. So we got to test it. Um, I, I, you know, it really matters about the, honestly, I feel that it's going to matter about death rates. Like we're getting everybody vaccinated. It's really going to lie on how many people are still passing away from this horrible situation. So hopefully the people that get sick are vax are, are already vaccinated. So it's a minimal illness of anything. And yeah, I think this is what it's what we're going to see. If you want to go to a show, you know, there's already talk. I know with Live Nation and other big venues that they're going to have like a concert vaccine passport where you have to prove that you've been vaccinated in the last 24 hours. And there's a whole bunch of stuff. I The things that I worry about are as like a promoter would worry about is, you know, the cost involved in keeping people safe, right? Like, right. Uh, being in a band and putting on shows and touring is already so expensive and to throw on an extra $30,000 or $20,000 to test people and hire nurses and shit. These are expenses that can't happen in this industry. Like it's, right. you're already just barely getting to the show and tickets are already sky high in the last couple of years. So, um, you know, are people going to pay $500 because 
they're they're saying they're that the tickets are being or the tests are being covered, but they're being covered by the people buying the ticket is what's going to happen. Right. As we all know, that's what it always breaks down to. So you can play it off like, oh no, it's all included, but in the end, our our you know seventy five dollar ticket just went to one hundred and fifty. So how does that how does that impact every level of the business? Because I, I know personally that. It, it pretty much makes it that we're not going to be able to play live shows until this isn't the situation. So, you know, I really hope for the best. I really hope that they put their time in and they do it right. And they set up, they set, set it up so that the rest of the world can see if you, if you follow these steps, we can get it done and we can bring back music. Uh, financially, I don't know how viable it is, but I really want, I really want with everything in my soul for it to be a perfect experience where no one gets sick. And they're like, yep, they did it. Everyone else can do it too. But yeah, time will tell, man. You know, they've been doing concerts and festivals in Australia and New Zealand and that kind of thing. I'm not sure exactly if um, these types of precautions have been taken for any of those kind of shows. I'm not sure um, if, you know, vaccine is necessary for that, if they've just completely gotten over COVID that they don't have to worry about it. And I think that would be the most ideal situation in this case is that, at some point in the near future, whether that be this year or next year, that um, these precautions may not be needed. Like you're saying, if everybody's sure. is, if everybody's vaccinated, then um, hopefully that would return things to a level of normalcy that then when we can hopefully go to shows without having to add on this extra cost, like you're saying, or add on extra precautions that we need to take every time we go to a concert. I imagine it's not going to be as simple as that. Um, especially in places like North America and Europe, where you know we haven't kicked this thing in the butt as much as they have in other areas of the world. Um, so, as much as we want to just go back to normal, be all sweating all over each other, and you know all the disgusting things we used to do at concerts before, <laughs> um, I think it's going to be a little bit more complicated. Yeah, all the. Uh, than that. You, you know, I think bats are going to shows and stuff, and like. Um, you know, I remember one time I was at a seven dust show at Finger 11 in Toronto and uh, it was hotter than hell. There was way too many people in the room. It was a great night, but I remember distinctly the spot that I had picked to watch the band was under the AC. And for the entire, the entire show, the only relief I got from the heat and being that close to the band was every 20 minutes or so four beads of water would fall from the air conditioning system onto my face. <laughs> and now thinking back, I'm realizing that it's probably just condensation from the thousand people that were in the room. And in COVID times, it's the most disgusting thing I could have ever done. And yeah. I actually remember it going into my mouth at one point oh, thinking, God. Oh, thank God. God was <laughs> so refreshing. So I'm immune to everything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm immune to everything now because yeah. of that experience. But yeah, there's, I hope, I hope that when it, when things open up again, that, um, you know, I don't have a lot of complaints about, uh, about going to shows. I'm getting old though. So like, you know, sitting down is always nice if I get the opportunity, yeah. but that's just cause I'm an old guy. I've, I've been in the pits. I've fallen in the pits. I've, I've done all, I've done that scene. So I want to yeah. enjoy the show. And I, I like, I, I know you're in the same boat, but you just like checking out musicians and seeing how, how the show goes at the presentation. Yeah. Well, the last show that we saw, at least I think the last show I, the last show I saw was Don Broco when we saw them at the hard luck yeah. bar um, in Toronto. Um, great show again, mm -hmm. a case of a, you know, a big UK band playing a really small venue in Toronto. Yeah. Um, 
but <laughs> I was kind of annoyed because, you know, I got stuck behind this, like this couple, you know, like I'm, I just kind of want to hang back, but, you know, I got stuck behind this couple who were just like, I don't know. They were they they weren't really very interested in the show, and I couldn't really move anywhere else. And I'm trying to like really I'm really into it. So I kind of felt like even though I'm an old I'm an old person now, I was like I maybe I would have had more fun if I was in the pit like the old days because sure. those sure, people man. look like they're having lots of fun and like sure. I'm enjoying myself. But I don't know. People get on my nerves at concerts, <laughs> and, oh, and that wow. was even when I was younger too. Is that you know I obviously I, I miss going to see live shows and being in that communal atmosphere of everybody enjoying uh, a band yeah. together. But there are certain pet peeves involved that I'm like, oh, well, you know, if we go back to doing oh. shows, I think, you know, they should do it. So all the tall people have to stand at the back and uh, you work <laughs> your way down to the short people to the front, you know, because I'm always the guy stuck behind the super tall guy, sure. you know? So, you know, I do, I do have a pet peeve about concerts. So it's a, it's a festival pet peeve actually. Yeah. I, uh, I went to uh, like uh, more than a few years ago, I was at the Ottawa blues fest and uh, we went to go see Levon Helm rest in peace before he passed away. Uh, Levon Helm and Rush were who I went to go see. It was a great Not day. Not uh, it was awesome. But <laughs> Um, Neil Peart rested. These some two of the best drummers of all time in the same night. Yeah. Um, but the thing that that I had uh, encountered that I had never seen before was when we went to go see Leave on Helm. There were people there that were older than I was, obviously, and they, someone has told these older people that um, they're allowed to bring their lawn chairs and sit wherever they want for the entire show so i want to make a public service announcement right now that if you go to see a band at a festival set you don't own any of that space yeah. if you can't sit or if you can't stand up in a field and watch the band you don't get to put your seat wherever you want and then yell at the people that have have working legs and can sit and watch the band <laughs> you have to accommodate yourself you can't ruin everybody else's time because you're too old so nick i'm sorry but you're gonna have to walk around the tall couple and go find your own spot i know i i gotta be more assertive i know that especially okay. in a concert setting and so when we do eventually get back to going to concerts again you know what i'm going to have fun and i'm going to enjoy the band from a vantage point that i feel comfortable with. well you know what's funny is like we went to go see don broco together um, at, a, at another club before the last time we saw them. And yeah. um, the energy of going to see them was insanity. And we were really close. Like we were like, you know, we maybe weren't in the wall of death, but we were really close to the band. Right, yeah. And the end, you know, we were jumping around and having a good time and we had our hands in the air. And it had been years since I had taken that approach to going to a concert. Mm -hmm. So it definitely, you know, you, you got to get in there and get dirty sometimes. It really depends on who you're going to see. But it definitely adds to the experience, I think. Yeah, I'm getting in the pit next time, no matter what happens. Yeah. Any band I'm in there, shoving people Glasses around. off, brother. Glasses a, off. Being a dick. <laughs> well, that, that is our headliner topic. Uh, you know, I think it was cool that they did this experiment. Hopefully it bodes well for the future, and sure. uh, we'll see what happens. Fingers crossed, brother. All right, we're going to uh, wrap up the show in just a couple of minutes, but first we're going to get to uh, this new feature. Yes, we've done one episode and already we've added a new feature to the show. Um, and that is the track of the week, or in my case, I got two tracks, Dave. I'm already cheating. 
uh, track of the week, whether this be, could be a new song, could be an old song, whatever we're listening to, whatever we're enjoying right now in the world of rock. Um, for me, I sent this song to you, Dave, the other week, which was uh, a band that I, I, I honestly haven't listened to very much other than this song, um, but was While She Sleeps featuring Simon Neal of Biffy Clyro, which is kind of the reason why I listened in the first place. Uh, the song's called Nervous. Um, like I said, never really listened to While She Sleeps before, but this song is heavy. Uh, Simon Neal's contribution is awesome. Uh, and I really dug that track. So that's one of my, uh, my favorite tracks of the week. Um, and the other one is cool. uh, the new track from Royal Blood called Limbo. Um, their new record Typhoons comes out next month. Um, we've already heard Trouble, Trouble's Coming and the title track Typhoons. Man, Royal Blood. I just, I love these guys so much and they just keep getting better and better. Oh, Royal Blood is definitely on my top five uh, bands right now. You know, they, every record is better than the last one. They, I don't know, if, if you don't know Royal Blood, there's a bass player and a drummer, and the bass player uses his bass like a guitar. Um, he's actually a classically trained pianist, so you can tell with the newer songs, there's some more keyboard stuff getting worked into the, into the writing. Uh, but they're phenomenal, man. They're like, they're just everything everyone needs in rock and roll with two guys uh, just giving it their all. They're, def- they're great. Great band. I agree. They're fantastic. Yeah. So what's uh, what's your track of the week? What have you been listening to, Dave? Uh, well, you know, I'll go back to we were just talking about Weezer. And uh, Weezer has the new album out right now, the Beach boys kind of thing. And I, I really dig their single, All My Favorite Songs. I think it's a, it's a great, great song. And if you haven't, um, if you haven't dug into the new Weezer record at all, um, it's a great single. It's, um, you know, it really captures, like we were talking about earlier, the fact that they wanted the, to be their pet soundsy kind of song. It's, you know, it's Rivers writing great, great catchy songs that you don't know why you like them, but you do. And uh, all of his songs are like mathematical problems. I don't think people realize that, but he's got, he, he has a whole system in place for writing melodies on top of progression it's crazy so whether you like them or not it's a it's a great single it works Um, yeah yeah, it works it definitely lets you get into something that's a little different on their end without being like blown away that what is this you know like it's definitely weezer but it definitely has captured the the essence of that the new record yeah, for sure. It's very enjoyable. Looking forward to the live stream. And uh, those are our tracks of the week. And uh, that is it for this episode of the Rock Squad podcast. We made it through episode two. Uh, we're glad that you guys were along with us for the uh, for the ride for this episode. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rock Squad Pod. Um, we're on YouTube. Um, we're on, uh, I think we're starting to get distributed through the podcast channels. I got to check on that, but that's happening. And, uh, you can, follow, you can follow me on Twitter at the walking Nick. Where can the folks follow you, Dave? On Instagram, red coast records on Facebook, red coast records. Uh, yeah. Red coast records. Remember to go down, subscribe to our channel. Remember to like this video. Remember to like the clips as they come out through the week. And, um, you know, write a comment, write a review. Tell us what you think. If you don't like Weezer, if they're the worst <laughs> band you've ever heard no. in your life, let's hear it. If you don't like, if you don't like Biffy Clyro, let us know why. Oh, let us why? know no, if you, if, no, let us know, possible. let us know if you have seen them, where did you see them? How great was the show? Yeah. How did it change your world? You know, yeah. let us know. We want to hear it. 
for sure. And uh, Dave and I are also musicians ourselves. We play in a little band called Fool's Union. You can check us out at foolsunion.com. Uh, we're available. Uh, you can check out our tunes on Spotify and Bandcamp and Apple Music and everywhere you get your music. Check us out. Uh, we are called Fool's Union. This has been the Rock Squad podcast. We'll see you guys again for the next episode next week. Take it easy, everybody. What, what was our sign off, Dave? Rock on, Dave. Rock on, Nick. <laughs> we'll see you guys later. Take it easy. <laughs>